Hi everybody, this is Bill Allerton again. I'm going to read you a short story, and this short story is called Firelight on Dark Water, and it's the title story from my collection of short stories called Firelight on Dark Water. I'm going to compose a playlist and put all these into it together. Firelight on Dark Water is available on Amazon, either for Kindle or as a paperback, and if you'd like to go and look for it, if you want to hear more of these stories. Now, this story is my Christmas story, which is why it's coming out at this time of year. And I wrote a little frontispiece to this story, so here we go. Firelight on Dark Water. What if you were being given a gift, only to find that you were also a gift, being given? How much of your heart and self would you share? All of it? What moments in your life would you readily forget? And would being given as a gift change the way you saw an act that you'd just committed? Would it give you that second chance to reconsider from a position you thought far too late? Gothic, erotic, poised in that limbo between here and forever, this story takes place on the one night a year when gifts are set free. Are you the giver, the given, or are you the recipient? Or can we be all three at one time? Take your own time. Think about it while that special night passes and the necessary warmth of human contact becomes a shared experience. It's cold outside. There's a fire in the heart, and change is possible without regret, and love of self is deeper than the darkest water. He awoke, as if after a long voyage, neither knowing nor caring from where he'd arrived, only to find himself swaying gently on the soft, salt sea of her. He smiled where she couldn't see it, but his face kept its warmth. She watched him as he turned to look up and saw only the smile that he'd kept while asleep, and then, as his face cleared, that smile increasing, where his slowly opening eyes saw how kind the lines had been around her eyes and mouth. He closed his eyes again to listen to the ocean of breath he could hear breaking and turning inside her. She smiled in return, and he turned away, pressing his face into her breasts, floating in the warmth of the soft body beneath him. She touched him, with fingers spread, distracted by the scent of him, stroking his lean limbs and spidering her hands across his drum-tight skin. He moaned softly, and pushed himself against her hands in his hunger for contact. He pulled himself further up her body until the wild dark crown of his hair rested against the fold of her chin. He settled against her then, fitting inside the spread of her arms. Before disappearing into sleep, he glanced briefly as his cupped hand covered her nipple, 
He touched it with the tip of his thumb and saw it pucker erect in the instant the darkness came to take him. She lay there, counting neither minutes nor hours as he slept. He turned infrequently, and each time that he did, she found new ways to hold and to touch him in places she had never thought would exist for her. With this man here, whose crooked arm pushed under his head, gave off the scent of a river, now deep within his blood, and whose hair shone with firestrands in the darkness. She placed a hand each side of him, and compressed him gently, her fingers searching for the vault of vast energy she had found and tapped in him. Her body felt him begin to stiffen against her. She took the hands she had placed at his sides and lifted him gently further against her until he rested unknowingly at the foot of her mouth. He made an involuntary movement in his sleep. Her mouth opened, closed again slowly as her breath settled to rock him gently on the crest of her, amidst the reeds and rushes of her living. She wrapped him with her arms and closed her eyes. He stirred awake to find a room in almost darkness. The embers of the fire strung with a membrane of fabric from his ruined socks she had thrown there. The warp and weft flung between two log ends, fluctuating gold and red as the chimney drew air, scattering fire shapes. Beneath the window stood a bench, heavy with pots of bright colours and brushes, fresh savings and small parts of toys littering the floor. He stretched out to touch the wall beside the bed, where it seemed to absorb the light that flicked upon it, chafing dark holes in the solidly aged timber. But as ancient as that timber was, the warmth from the fire and their bodies released from it something energetic until the room filled with the faint scent of pine. He lifted his hand into her hair, a glow of fire shone from within it, the light writhing around his fingers. He turned for comfort, and as his skin lifted from hers, it left a faint dampness between them that reminded him, in some way, of deep water. As he moved, he found that a part of him was inside her and that his movement lifted a scent from her, too, that mingled with the pine from the walls and the ash from the fire to make his head spin and his body move like an automaton. She awoke to his eyes closed, but his wire-taut body strong above her and his skin burning within her hands. She held him as he shuddered against her, increasing her grip, until they became still. They lay quiet then, the water of his effort trickling slowly between them, filling her dimples and folds, collecting in the hollows of his back until they were studded with small lagoons that evaporated slowly in the drying warmth. They lay watching nothing 
as time stretched imperceptibly around them. He looked up to see if thoughts of maybe and when would play across her face, and found only himself reflected in the age-old mirror of her eyes. Tell me what you remember, she said. He screwed up his face, the firelight branding lines into his youth. It, it, it's hard, he said, then smiled quickly. Perhaps I can only remember you. Try, she said. And the touch of her fingers relaxed his face, allowing his thoughts to float freely as willow fronds, sensing a deep pool. I remember a bridge, he said. The dark night around me and the bell that broke the eve of Christmas. My fingertips. He looked at his hands. Then a rush of wind. Snow on cold water. But that's all. No, she said. There must be more than that. I changed, he said. But they wouldn't. He held his fingertips into the firelight, examining the betraying ridges cast by deep scars and flays. Change what? she said. My mind. He turned his hands away to stare at their backs and the prominent veins pulsing there. He shook his head to escape the memory that pried at his consciousness, forcing himself to concentrate on the mantelpiece over a fire where the embers seem locked forever in this dying, flickering light, where only this moment and his thoughts surrounding this woman seemed solid, and saw the empty, heavy wool stockings hanging there, their tops trapped under a brass candlestick. He's missed you this year, he said. He misses no one, she said. He settled back against her, his movement slick against the still dampness of her skin. She prodded him with her voice. There's more than that. He shrugged his whole body willfully. I can't remember. She ran one finger along the length of his spine and chuckled softly as he shuddered against her. You can. You just don't want to. He shuddered again. It was a girl, she said, teasing pain into his thoughts. He shook his head, trying to locate some shred of clear reason behind the way this room and this ancient yet still beautiful woman filled his mind with strange and comfortable warmth and knowing sense, and the way the fire drilled his muscles and moved him against her, but knowing also, as his brain shifted slowly in the mist, that he would wish to keep this time forever. He nodded. She stroked the moist hair that darkened his head and framed his eyes. It was a girl, she said. It's always a girl, a foolish girl. At that, he looked up, a question illuminating his face. A man always seems to find a girl, she said. At the moment, he most needs a woman. He turned his face away 
and in the absence of an answer his body seemed to shrink in upon itself while his hands admired her taking every place upon her into themselves planting beneath their skin the shapes and sharp tangs of her electricity her beautiful roundness of being and the softly folded comfort of her she looked to the window where the slight crack of curtain showed a sky as faded as the knees of his jeans now dry and crisping by the fire and saw the high stars washed away in a tip of light no stronger than the scent of pine in the room and the water flowing between their bodies it's time she said he stretched alongside her and moaned gently in the back of his throat she felt his breath quicken once and stark inside of him and knew he was becoming fully awake. He rolled away from her and rose to sit on the edge of the bed. He placed his head in his hands and massaged his temples. She took the sheet from the bed and with great gentleness wiped his body dry in the last of the light from the embers before wrapping it around herself. Take the socks, she said. He looked to the window and saw, as she had, the faint crack of daylight riding the stars, although the darkness still inhabited the trees clinging fiercely to the ground. There's still time, he said. It's all right, she said. Take the socks. They're yours. He reached them down from the mantel. They're still empty. She looked at him in the gathering gloom, saw the concern behind his eyes and smiled. He misses no one. But on this morning, he said, on this of all mornings, they should be forward. Then put them on, she said. He stepped into the socks, and found that they fitted. He knocked the smell and stiffness of black water from the jeans and the shirt where they'd been drying by the fire, and put them on. He came back to sit beside her on the bed. He felt her body flow against him inside the white river of the sheet. He touched her hair, her face, reached out, but she caught his fingers in hers and led them gently away until they lay entwined between them on the bed. Shall I... Shall I love you? he began. No, she replied. Learn to love yourself instead, and you won't ever need to come back. She watched the bright expectation of half-hope fall within his face. This is my gift, she said. Given twice, it serves only to halve the first joy. He nodded in return, not wanting to accept, but feeling the air of finality with which she suddenly filled the room. He bent to kiss her lips for the last time. She returned him in full measure, and they parted slowly. He will be here soon, she said. He stood quickly and crammed his feet with the new socks into the boots he'd found beneath the bed. 
The leather was hard and stiff, and he flexed them as he stood. He took down the coat from the back of the door and brushed the riverbed dust from it with the back of his hand. She pulled her knees up against her, and for a moment buried her face in the sheet wrapped around them. He turned away, slowly. She looked up and waved him away. He'll be waiting. He looked around the room and attempted to fill his sudden clamouring emptiness with the immortality of the log walls and their hidden secret darkness, the mantelpiece now shorn of socks, the tall dry candlestick, and discovered a new scent of himself amongst the sheets and the fragrance of coal river and pine, and if that was all he was leaving behind, he found himself taking away so much more. She watched as his hand gave the doorknob a half-turn, as his feet hesitated on the mat, as his face turned towards hers, until she met him there with a smile. It's all right to change your mind, she said, taking his hand one last time in hers. He studied her skin, and for a moment saw the stretch tighten and glaze where a hard fire had brushed against it. She withdrew her hand. He makes it right. You'll see. He looked down at his own guilty fingertips to find them now healed, strong, fresh and capable. The door closed softly behind him. The trees outside became dark, cloying things, resisting the early light with their subtle twists of branches blacking the cold air. The snow beneath his boots searched for the heat of his body, but the socks held him safe and warm. He tightened the coat around him and walked away without once looking back. A stooped figure in a red hunting suit waited a short distance from the house. As the youth approached, the man removed a mitten and held out his hand. Their fingers embraced. The youth's strong but slender, the man's hard and rough, skin stiffened from exposure to eternal cold. He held open a low door into the sleigh, and the youth stepped in to sit on the small wooden seat. The man eased in beside him and took up the reins, and with the barest whisper of harness and hoof, the reindeer lifted into the sky, turning their heads towards the new morning, away from where, flowing along the horizon, ran the deep, dark, changeless water of night. Well, that's all for this week's show. In fact, almost all of this year. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Urban Tiger Radio and our offerings, and it will continue in the new year. I hope you enjoyed my Christmas story. 
All that remains now is to wish you all, wherever you are in the world, and my listeners are all over the world, a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. But I think I may well be posting something in the New Year or prior to the New Year. So that was my Christmas story. You know how to find us and I enjoy your company, hopefully as much as you enjoy mine. So Merry Christmas, Jingle Bells, all the rest of it. And uh, I hope you have a really, really good one. Thank you very much and goodbye from me and a meow from Nelly. Bye.